Chapter 3 I plucked tomatoes, green and red alike, from the withering vines tangled in a mass in the far corner of the garden. It was late for tomatoes, and I could smell a freeze coming, a crisp, heavy scent of moisture and ice that tickled the hairs of my nose and made me shiver involuntarily. We were overdue for our first snow, in any case, and the crop would be ruined once the cold draft descended. I sorted the fruit by color. I sorted the fruit by color, planning to put up the red ones right away and let the green continue to ripen in the pantry. I'd heard the old-timers describe this land as an alpine desert. While I'd never been to a real desert to compare, it was certainly hot here in the summer, with desiccating winds tumbling down the valley from the distant peaks. The decomposing granite soil of the region made our ancient river valley about the only place to grow things along this ridge of mountains, thanks to the silt and organic matter left behind after the massive river dried up ages ago, leaving only a gently flowing creek. But even with decent soil, I had to irrigate by hand come late summer when the rains were scarce, and I was ready for the garden to be done. A movement at the corner of my eye caught my attention. A bright flash of pink and a radiant smile as Ari approached the garden gate. She nodded with appreciation at the row of carved pumpkins skirting the path, and garlands of river grape vines interwoven with orange rose hips draped over the pickets. The effect was homey and charming, and I smiled in return. A group of kids from town had spent much of the day digging out handfuls of slimy pumpkin seeds with much giggling, flicking the pulp at each other and occasionally at me. We'd collected the innards, setting them to slowly roast on the stove, and the musky scent of slightly burned pumpkin still lingered in the air around the house, punctuated by the very unpleasant smell of elk rumen fluid. "'What the hell are you doing? We should have left by now!' Ari demanded when she drew closer, her vulgar language not at all in coherence with her attire and clean hands. She made a show of looking at her watch, the faint white scar on the back of her hand momentarily visible. I looked around in surprise, unaware that the afternoon had passed so swiftly. And what is that smell? She added, wrinkling her nose. I gave her a pained smile and tried to explain. Fionn and his best friend Marco had stumbled upon the bull yesterday, and I hadn't heard the end of the story of the creature's demise, what with Marco going on and on about how Fionn had sunk his arrow into the beast's eye from fifty yards away on the fly. I silently wondered if Fionn had been tempted to use his gun instead, or if that would have been too conspicuous. I wondered if Marco even knew about the gun. Marco had brazenly brought the beast, slumped over the back of a pack horse, directly to my back gate, and asked if I would help prepare it. I had looked over his shoulder, expecting Fionn to appear, triumphant and eager to show off their prize, but he wasn't there. My friend had followed my gaze, and might have shifted a little, uncomfortable, but hadn't commented. If anyone had known what had transpired between Fiona and I the other day, it would have been Marco, but he hadn't offered an explanation for his friend's absence, and I had forcibly swallowed my disappointment. Um, sure, I'd said, turning a wary eye toward the elk, dried blood caked to its huge face and the arrow still protruding from its eye socket. Good thing it was a clean shot, Marco had said. He was talking louder and faster than normal, but perhaps he was just still high on the adrenaline from the hunt and wasn't thinking of his words. 
Or it'd have been our sorry asses roasting on a spit. He was one mean son of a bitch, came right for us, didn't even hesitate. You two idiots should know better, I chided as I backed the horse close to the house where my heavier hooks and chains were anchored to the eaves of the roof, braced with rough-sawn timbers to support the dead weight of larger game. After hooking my gambrel through the tendons of the bull's rear knees, I led the horse away again, leaving the body to swing gently from the chain. It was so large, the front legs still dragged on the ground. Marco had just grinned at me, and held the body still while I saw through the leg bones and made the first cuts into the belly of the hide, struggling to pull the thick skin off the summer-fattened carcass. He'd regaled me with details of the story while I'd worked, painting a picture so vivid I was almost able to share the fear and excitement of the hunt. That was yesterday. Now I cocked an eyebrow at Ari and looked down at my hands, covered in dirt instead of blood, thank God. I have a lot to do around here, Ari. Ari scowled. Bullshit. It's the boy's birthday. You have to come. She folded her arms over her chest, the movement pushing her dress up to swell above the neckline of her dress. Ari was beautiful and had matured into her woman's body with ease. You know, it won't kill you to have some fun. Don't you have a date? I retorted with raised eyebrows. Why didn't you go with him? Ari picked at her fingernails. I could hardly say no to the birthday boy. But I guess Fionn had some surprise planned this afternoon. No girls allowed. We're supposed to meet them at Vern's. She paused to make a show of looking at her wrist again. Like, now? I snorted. And if it wasn't Baron's birthday? I asked with a knowing smile. Would you still be nagging me? If I stay here, it would improve the ratio. She maintained her air of nonchalance, but a smile tugged on her lips. Ari loved to be admired, especially by men. She continued, Nice try. I want my dearest friend to have just one night to enjoy herself before she prematurely becomes an old crone. I felt a pang of guilt. I still hadn't worked up the courage to tell Ari about Wyoming, and her observations of me becoming a solitary old woman was a little too close to the mark. I smiled to cover my awkwardness, saying, You sound like my mother. I belatedly noticed that she didn't mention Fiona and I's kiss either. Perhaps he really hadn't told anyone. Or perhaps he was regretting his actions. Or perhaps I was making something out of nothing. Ari assessed me, my wild hair, my dirt-stained pants and thick boots, and cringed. I redirected my focus back on my work. Does anyone else have a date? I willed my voice to continue with a casual tone. Ari hesitated for a fraction of a second. Marco's bringing Clara, and Fionn asked Veronica. She made a face, but continued. But Amelia turned down Garrett, so they're going alone too. My stomach sank and my pulse quickened. Marco very notably hadn't mentioned any of this while we were together yesterday. And Fionn... I mentally did the math. He must have already made a commitment to Veronica before our trip to Longmont. No wonder she had been so flirty in the shop. My thoughts started warring in my head. He led me on, hadn't he? No, he tried to tell me about Veronica, but I hadn't let him finish. And he hadn't made me any promises. How could he while I was so busy being standoffish? And if I had misread the signals, that was no one's fault but my own. Of course... Kissing people isn't usually so casual, 
but ultimately none of this even mattered. I kept my eyes down so as to not reveal any shadows lingering before replying sarcastically, Oh good, so I'm not the only one. Then added, I thought Veronica was staying in Longmont. She and Clara are friends. She's coming down for the week. Ah, I said, trying to sound casual. She's very... That is, she certainly... Ari snorted loudly as I searched for the right word. It's a miracle she doesn't topple over walking down the road with all that weight in front. She brazenly peered down at her own chest, as if comparing her bosom to the breast in question. I'm seriously considering Fionn's motives there, but he is a man after all. Indeed, I thought as I ripped a tomato with more force than was necessary, bringing a large suction of vine with it and chucked it toward the basket. I missed and the fruit broke open on the paving stones of the path. Ari, eyeing the mess sidelong, said, I thought he might have asked you, you know, since you two have been spending so much time together lately. And there it was. The question was gently probing, and an invitation to confide in her, but what could I possibly say now that wouldn't sound childish or naive? Oh, I settled on, not trusting myself with more. You could make it easier for him, you know, instead of being so weird. How am I being weird? I asked, too fast and too loud. Ari just snorted again. Honey, I'm just calling it how I see it. I pursed my lips in frustration and brushed my hair out of my eyes. I don't know any other way to be, Ari. I'm sorry if I don't ooze sex appeal. My tone sounded defensive, even to me. Her face softened. That's not what I mean. I know you're just scared. Can we please stop talking about this? I said, cutting her off. She looked a little hurt, but lapsed into silence. A few moments of awkwardness hung between us as I rifled through the tomato bush, looking for any remaining fruit I may have missed. The piquant scent of crushed tomato leaves filled my nose, mingling with the smoke from the fire my mother was stoking inside. This crop of tomatoes would give my parents some semblance of a varied diet this winter, and I felt better doing these small things that might ease the disappointment following my absence. Finally, conceding defeat, Ari changed the subject. I'm glad about Clara and Marco, though. That is a good match. I threw her a small smile, wondering if I would miss this gossiping and small talk. I loved Ari, but I thought I probably wouldn't. My mind was already wandering. Looking around, I realized there was no more work to do, and catching Ari's eye, I saw she'd noticed, too. Reluctantly, I allowed her to drag me back into the dim house to wash. I knew the effort was pointless. Despite the scrubbing, the stinging soap, the rough brushing of my hair, the face that gazed out of the mirror was the same as always. Slender, with sharp hollow cheekbones, a narrow nose and bright eyes that were too big for my face. Ari attempted to tame my hair with some small pins, twisting the wayward strands and pinning them into a crown on top of my head. We both stood back to judge the effect. I looked like I was five years old. The only thing missing was some bits of ribbon. I scoffed and began ripping out the pins while Ari threw up her hands. You're impossible, she complained, and I narrowed my eyes at her. This is pointless, Ari. No one will care about my hair. No one will care about any of this, I said, gesturing to myself. I wasn't looking for pity, but dressing up just to show off upset me more than I cared to admit. She rolled her eyes and reached for the dress she'd brought to loan me. With an exasperated sigh, 
I stripped down to my underthings, and she held the dress against my bony frame, nodding in satisfaction. I pulled the fabric over my head and shimmied it down over my hips. Again, we stood side by side in front of the mirror and appraised my appearance. The dress had done little to improve the situation, hanging loosely off my shoulders. My slim body and most flat chest showed hardly any curves under the smooth fabric. If anything, the sagging neckline only accentuated my jutting collarbones. "'You just need to stand straighter,' Ari chided, yanking my shoulders back. "'You look like you're trying to hide behind your own shadow.' I sighed at my reflection, but my mother, entering quietly behind, gave an audible intake of breath. "'Oh, you look lovely, Mariel!' That sealed it for me. I grabbed the hem, intending to rip the thing off. Ari slapped my hand away, with more force than I thought she had in her. For heaven's sake, will you leave it alone? I huffed a loud sigh, and tossed a wayward strand of hair over my shoulder. Shall we, then? I said in a snotty tone, turning pointedly from the mirror. Ari, undeterred, replaced me in front of it, and fussed with her own curls for a few minutes, until pleased enough with her appearance, which was flawless. Turning to me, with another brilliant smile, she said in a chipper voice, Okay, let's go. <laughs> the jingle of the bell over the door to Vern's was drowned by the flood of voices and the upbeat twang of retro bluegrass music. The room was bright with torches blazing on the walls, but hazy with cigarette smoke. I inhaled deeply to study my nerves, but instantly regretted it as the stuffy air caught in my throat. Hey, look who finally made it! Baron called from the bar. His face was flushed with drink and he was grinning. Ari headed straight for him, the crowd parting for her, leaving me to sidle my own way through, mumbling apologies as I bumped into other patrons. By the time I made it to the high counter, Ari was already perched on Baron's knee and was whispering something in his ear that made him sit up a little straighter. Catching my eye, she gave me a wink. Easy. It was that easy. My god, Mariel, are you actually wearing a dress? Baron called, noticing me at last. He let out a low whistle. I resisted the urge to cross my arms over my chest and gave him a tight smile. Marco, at his brother's side, with his arm draped casually over Clara's shoulder, gave me a friendly wave and rolled his eyes in sympathy. I heard it was a special occasion, I said dryly. Damn right! Get these ladies some drinks! Baron called brazenly. The bartender, anticipating the order, had two bottles open and ready. As I glanced at him, I realized with a sinking in my gut that I recognized the young man, as the overly friendly creep from Ari's secret meetings. I knew he recognized me, too, as he slid my drink toward me with a lewd smile. I reached for it, but he didn't release the bottle, holding tight until I was forced to fully meet his mocking eyes. I've got something a little more special in the back, if you're interested, he said softly, so only I could hear. Second time's a charm. I met his suggestion with narrowed eyes and forced myself to smile. Thanks, but no thanks. I yanked the bottle away, but the jolt resulted in some beer sloshing onto the counter. I threw another dirty look over the bar. 
but the bartender had already sauntered away, chuckling. I took a deep breath, trying to brush off the feeling that I already wanted to leave. I was just lifting my drink to my lips when I was brusquely shoved to the side. The glass lip of the bottle hit my tooth painfully, and more beer dribbled down my front. Veronica, indifferent to my presence, came to a sudden halt in front of Ari while I reached for a napkin. Oh, you made it! She squealed annoyingly. You'll have to tell me where you shop. That dress looks so great on you. Veronica blabbered as I took an involuntary step backwards, only to bump into another couple. Hey, watch it! The woman exclaimed with a scowl. Sorry, I grumbled, my shoulders slumping in an attempt to make myself smaller. I found a place to stand off to the side of the group, keeping an eye on the sleazy bartender and the other on my friends. Clara, Veronica, and Ari were talking animatedly, but I couldn't hear them over the din, and Marco was bantering with Baron. Succeeding in taking a long drink from my bottle at last, I closed my eyes, trying harder to smother the instinct that urged me to find open space and clean night air. I took a shuffling step away and waited to see if anyone noticed. Getting no reaction, I tried another step, easing my way along the bar in between sips of my beer. Trying to escape? A familiar voice said in my ear. Jerking in surprise, I spilled another mouthful down my dress. Pursing my lips, I turned on Fionn. No, I began, trying to look affronted. I was just... it was so crowded and I... Fionn raised his eyebrows at me. Okay, fine. Yes, I said reluctantly, then added, This isn't really my scene. I know, Fionn said simply. Want another? He asked, gesturing with his bottle towards mine. Without waiting for my response, he gestured to the bartender. This time, the young man behind the bar glanced warily at Fionn before passing me my drink. Am I that obvious? I asked sarcastically. No. Fionn said with a chuckle, but I like to think I know when my... He briefly hesitated for a fraction of a moment. Friend needs a drink, he finished, ending his sentence by clearing his throat. I cocked my head in question. Why do you say it like that? I asked, trying for lightness. Are we not friends? Fionn, uncharacteristically, looked slightly uncomfortable and rubbed the back of his head. What, Veronica said you weren't allowed to talk to me? I asked, forcing a laugh. Nothing like picking at a raw scab. It's fine, really, I am more than happy to go. I said, gesturing over my shoulder with my thumb. I felt stung, but also kind of relieved, in the same way kicking a tree stump helps curb anger. He said something in reply, but his words were drowned as the music decibels suddenly increased with the new song. What? I shouted, gesturing to my ear. Fionn, with an exasperated gesture, said slowly and loudly, Of course not! Then studied my face to see if I understood that time. Okay, then, I replied, but my sarcastic tone was diluted by the necessity of yelling. As if the music wasn't enough to make me claustrophobic, the bar was becoming more crowded by the minute. Fionn stood to his full height, allowing him to scan over the heads of most of the crowd, and after a moment, grabbed my arm and pulled me through the mingling bodies to an empty table toward the back of the barroom. 
While it was still loud, at least we could have a conversation. I've already been invited back here once tonight, I said with a weak smile and a nod toward the back room. I was only trying to break the tension, but instead of a smile, a dark expression fluttered across Fionn's features. It was gone before I could even be sure it was there. Mariel, about the other day, Fionn began abruptly. I held up my hand, cutting him off just as bluntly. There's nothing to explain, I said, then added with a brave smile. It's cool. He opened his mouth, then closed it again. I had the pleasure of processing your bull yesterday, I continued, desperate to change to a lighter topic. Fionn studied my face a moment, then his boots, and finally met my eyes again, a smile firmly in place. Is that right? That guy could feed your whole family for a year, I said appreciatively. I was thinking you could dry some and take it with you. I met his eyes for a long moment. I'd be happy to buy some from you, I said at last. Ah, he said with a shrug. Consider it a parting gift. Well, I still have a few weeks left. I still need to tell my parents, I said plainly, then with more regret. And Ari. She won't understand, he said a little too harshly. She'll consider it a betrayal. She thinks a lot, I said sarcastically, looking up to read his face. He was frowning, but otherwise his features were guarded. You disapprove, I stated, setting my shoulders and readying myself for another argument. Fionn just shrugged. Who am I to judge? Before he could finish his sentence, a firm arm had grabbed me around the waist and whisked me onto the dance floor. Baron, despite his drunken state, was an excellent dancer, and taking my hand led me into a twirl and reeled me back in before falling expertly into step with the music. It was impossible not to relax and smile as he led me around the dance floor. As I cast a glance over his shoulder, I saw Fion too was smiling, but I thought the smile didn't quite meet his eyes as he leaned back against the table, watching us. 